Let's thank God. Dear Lord God, we're grateful, as always, for your mercies to us, the Gentiles, to bring us into your people of um, Israel, to make a new nation of people changed by faith and by your grace. We'd ask that we would honor our election. In your son's name, amen. Chapter 12 of Romans. Chapter 12 of Romans is, seems like a shift, okay? We've been looking at the kind of person people are, how rotten they are, early parts of Romans, what faith is about, how God thinks of the Jews, how God thinks of the Gentiles, how God thinks of sin, what we're supposed to do about it, um, how that being brought into grace for the Gentiles is a problem for the Jews in their own minds, and how in Romans 9 and then 10 and 11, how Paul deals with the Jewish objection to you Gentiles being elect now being now made a better people. Now, when I'm using the term elect, by the way, I'm not using it in the darker sense, okay? I'm using it in the uh, happy birthday sense, the sense that you have been pulled into a privileged spot. You have been made uh, an elect person. It's like being a VIP rather than being predetermined, all right? There's a great um, joy in being brought out of darkness, and consequently, you should view it as a certain, well, like the Gentiles did in the book of Acts, where they uh, rejoiced when they heard of this eternal life being given to them, late in Acts. So we're looking at that 11 chapters of this dilemma, theologically, of sin and righteousness and Jew and Gentile, all resolved in faith in Jesus Christ. And then he says in verse 1 of chapter 12, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now, it's a response it's also one of the favorite, one of the favorite verses that people jump to and quote when it's, when it's uh, beneficial uh, to their circumstance. We like this. It's, a, uh, it's one of commitment, one of challenge, one of, well, I want it to be one somewhat of a reaction to what you've learned over 11 chapters of Romans. You were consigned to sin. You were then called to faith. Faith then, be in the mercies of God, became the great leveler of all humanity. Sin leveled us, and then faith and mercy leveled us. And we are all brought into Jesus Christ. And it is a, it is a, a glorious thing that we've been brought into, a spiritual Israel. But unlike physical Israel, because it's a spiritual state, and it's each one individually becoming a spiritual Jew... Your worship to God is also spiritual. Your sacrifices are not coming into a cathedral 
And no matter how much a nice long nave in a, in a, in a building with a high ceiling um, and an altar up front and nice fluorescent lighting behind the pastor, this is not worship. Even when you sing the songs, it's not worship. That's how pagans and Jews in antiquity worship. That's physical worship. When you sing a hymn, as the New Testament says, you're addressing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. We don't have a ceremony that creates worship. And many, many churches try to create a worldly worship. Now, I don't think it's, it's beautiful in many cases. Sometimes it's not. But sometimes it's beautiful. And people get hit by the beauty of the thing and hit by the religion of the moment. And they begin to think, not like spiritual Jews, but like physical Jews. And when Isaiah says to the people of Israel, do not trust these deceptive words. This is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. Don't trust that because you go to a church that worships are they? The key to the worship is how they're speaking to their kid at the old country buffet after church. Have they presented themselves, their, their, their life and their members, the, the way they are, right? Your bodies as a living sacrifice, walking out the door. <coughs> not a dead sacrifice, not one that is offered on the altar, but one that walks around. A living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God. Because we've been made elect by faith, because we've been made elect by grace, we've got this obligation to worship in this new elect status. When it says in Ephesians that he has broken down the dividing wall of hostility and made in the place of two, one type of man one type of creature called the Christian. It's a better model than the old elect people of God, the Jews. It is God's spiritual Jews. That is what's supposed to have moved you to this point. That now in chapter 12, we're going to deal with some real practical things. Real practical things. And I don't want you to be put off by the checklist a little bit down the page. It's only next to points of righteousness, so I'm sure you have it all ready to check off right now. So don't, it's not a test, I hope. <laughs> I hope you're not C-level students. Verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that you may prove what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I bid everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith which God has assigned to him. A little bit of instruction there. Because the question may come up, and it always does, in you know, these young, vibrant churches that, that, that that's us. Okay? We're a young, vibrant church. And... and uh, uh, serious students of the word, that's us again, and the question that arises is people finally catch a clue, hey, 
I'm supposed to be doing something with my Christian life. And they, 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 their eye falls on the pulpit in the front and the light streaming down through the windows and used to be. And, uh, and it's kind of an epiphany for them. And they say, okay, what's the sack? What do you want? What are we supposed to do? Where's the list? Where's the list of things? Um, a friend of mine in Seattle emailed me. Uh, some of you know Malcolm Kirk. Emailed me uh, a list of John Calvin's requirements in Geneva for the godly Christian life. You did have to name your kids. You had to name your kids after an Old Testament character. And lace was not allowed. Let alone, oddly enough, feasting was not allowed. Well, a lot of people are looking for lists like that, right? What do I do? Okay, what do you want me to do? How much should I give? What should I dress like? What the standards of behavior are? But actually, we're spiritual Jews. We're not old Jews. The first point made is do not be conformed to this world. That's a worldly way of thinking. Every other religion on the planet thinks that way. Well, here's the list. What do I do? Here's the list. We are supposed to... I summed it up a little bit. Uh, I tried to pull these two verses, verses 2 and 3, together in this phrase here on the left-hand side. They are, by his grace, measured to your faith in your mind when thought out soberly, free of worldly constraints. That's the list of sacrifices. That's the bodily sacrifice, how you live. Because it is, it is the utmost of laziness. Let the theologians decide what you're supposed to be like. Let pastor come up with something, and then we will at least fake it in church. Everybody shows up. If the pastor is one who stresses joy in the church, everybody you know, shoves that coat hanger in their mouth, and they walk into service, and they are joyful throughout that time, and then they go home. Because the righteousness of the spiritual Jew is distinct from the righteousness of the performance-oriented Pharisee. You're a changed being. That's what's different. Grace has been poured out. Faith has been exerted by you. God has exerted grace. And then you're supposed to take those two things that you have bowed the knee to the Father... He has given you grace, graced you in his Holy Spirit, and then you're supposed to soberly think. Not sensually think, not passionately think. Soberly, sober judgment. Thinking. Remember thinking? You did it in college? Sometimes? Thinking. Not like the world. So it's not like earthly philosophy. It's like God's philosophy, the nature of godly wisdom. I, I, I have to I got to find out what the way the world thinks and why is it hamstringing me in figuring out how I'm supposed to be a living sacrifice before God. Because I need to honor this elect status. I'm coming back to that. You need to honor your elect status. You have been changed wonderfully by a great sacrifice. Now what are you going to do to honor it? Where is the list? You've got to figure it out. Well, sure, there's a lot of things that are 
actually listed in the Bible, and we're going to get to a list a little bit later on, but your passage to that list is not external. We're not operating by a written code here. Do this, don't do this. Why do you submit to regulations like do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which indeed have the appearance of wisdom, but are of no value in checking the indulgence of the flesh? You're supposed to buckle down and study this, frankly, as if you cared. Oh, that's a drag, and I'm really sorry, because earthly religion is a lot easier. Earthly religion, you just have to show up to the right meetings, have the right kind of terminology and glossary of terms. You really don't have to study it. You really don't have to think about it. You really don't have to discuss it with your wife and your kids and your friends. But spiritual Jewry, spiritual Israel, has got to. Because proving what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect, requires the transformation brought on by a renewed mind that is antagonistic to the way you used to think, conform to this world. It has to be done soberly. I've got to be very conscious that, oh, if you ever get a chance, uh, Harry Blamers. Remember this book, uh, Mark, um, The Christian Mind by Harry Blamers? It's, I don't know if it's still in print, but Blamers was a uh, student of Lewis's. And Lewis encouraged him to write, and he wrote a book on how Christians should think, called The Christian Mind. Get yourself, a, if you can find it, get yourself a copy, a little paperback. I think it's brown. It used to be brown. Um, you, you're responsible. You're responsible to act like the royalty God has made you. God has made you royal. Joint heirs with Christ, elect people of God before who were without hope or God in the world. We're Gentiles, for crying out loud. We could have been left in darkness grim. And you, by faith and grace, have been brought out of that, and you owe it something. And not just the casual, okay, what am I supposed to do to make the church happy? I'm making the church happy. You live before your Lord Christ, and you are supposed to be happy before him. And it's critical, because he does not, St. Paul says, for by the grace given me, look at the, the way he says it, for by the grace given me, I bid every one of you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Now, that's a great verse, by the way, when you're dealing with somebody with an arrogance problem. But it's not, real, I mean, it's not particularly directed at that. It's talking about how you live out your Christian life of sacrifice, your living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, proving what is the will of God. This is, this is an aspect. When you do analyze yourself, you've got to come up with certain things. One, don't be optimistic. Well, optimism sort of is a, is a kind of prediction of uh, where you're going to be, but don't be conceited. You're really, 
you know, one of the basic things of worldly thought, one of the basic things of worldly thought is to feature yourself in a better light than you would feature others. All right? Because heavens, you see yourself in the mirror every morning. You've got this love affair going with you. You like you. Even people who commit suicide like themselves way too much because they would rather be dead than put, have the person they love the most put up with this anymore, whatever this is. Because if they were really hating themselves when they committed suicide, they'd be killing themselves when everything went well. Because they couldn't stand to see this person they hated get so many good things. Another birthday party, I'm going to go. All these people love me. No, it's nobody loves me, right? Nobody loves me. We've got an ego issue, and Paul warns us that when we jump into ourselves, there are two kinds of, there's the realist. You need to be a realist. Don't think of yourself more highly than you want to think. And those of you who are introspective, just come up afterwards and I'll slap you. Okay? Uh, well, the egotist can come up afterwards and I'll slap them too. But, but, but uh, we need to be realistic about where we are. Because we owe something not to ourselves, but we owe something to our God. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but with sober judgment. Each according to the measure of faith which God has assigned to him. You're responding to what God has done to you as making one you elect. We have therefore presented ourselves as sacrifices. We're looking for what kind of sacrifice that's supposed to be. And guess what? It's personal to you. It's not a groupthink thing that we're going to come up with for this fellowship that says you're sacrificing these things because we're into uh, weekly visitation in the non-Christian community. Or we're into this, that, or the other thing. Or we're into hospitality. Or we're in, that's not, we don't have a church theme that way. You've got to find the theme in your life. And you have to do it soberly according to the gifts God has given you. Just like Paul admonished you according to the grace given him. So watch your step, because some of you are fond of yourselves. I probably labor in that group, okay? Just too pleased with being themselves. Happy to see each other, themselves in the morning. The best possible gift they could give their day is time with themselves. Quality time. Some of you are more depressed. That's uh, a different issue. You have to understand that you can't, it's two different ways of wallowing in self-absorption. And we need to say, no, we're trying to find out actually who we are because we're serving our Lord Christ. We're not serving ourselves. If we are serving ourselves, we get to be egotists or we get to be depressed. But if you're not serving yourself, you're serving Christ, you have to be realistic because you have to prove what is his will what is good, acceptable, and perfect. You've got this measure, this circumstance. Who are you? You've got to stop thinking like the world, one, right? Transformed by the renewal of your mind, start thinking in terms like, like a Christian would think. 
how does a Christian think? Well, get the book, if it's still in print. But that would require that I like, place an order, like on the internet or something. I, uh, you think Jesus Christ is worth that kind of time? Why, yes, he is. You, you might have to go out of your way a little bit. You might have to take some time on this. You might have to give something to your Christian life. Now look how he says this. It's not a verse about egotism in itself. It says, you're supposed to be thinking with sober judgment according to the measure of faith, for as in one body we have many members, and all the members do not have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. We are individually members together. We're not a group that thinks as a group. We don't have a membership. We don't have a statement of faith. We don't have a secondary doctrine. We love the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are members of one another. We have to think of each other, ourselves as a body. But you are bringing to the body what you bring to the body. You serve and husband what you are. And either we're a gimp, quadriplegic type of body, because nobody is bringing any kind of labor to the fellowship, any kind of sacrifice to the fellowship, or we're an active body that's, you might, a triathlete or something. You're bringing something. And we're individually members of it. And so this task that's on you, once you realize that you're a Gentile that has been called out of paganism into this light and are spiritual Jews now, elect people of God, you owe it something. You owe it sacrifices like the priests would bring sacrifices into the temple. You're bringing, walking through life, a sacrifice. And you're beginning to realize that this is maybe something I owe quite a debt to. And I've got to think it out soberly. Maybe even in discussion with other people who know me well. Maybe your wife could sit down and say, no, you really are a jerk. Maybe... You, or maybe you've got these, other people will start to talk to you about your gifts. What you really have is a measure of faith. What the grace of God given to you has been. We do not have the same function. Remember, this is an individual search. I'm not picking stuff for you to do. We do not, see I bolded that, all the members do not have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another without the same function. Too many churches gather together according to whether they all agree on the same function. It's all the eyeballs in this church and all the ears in that church. Where's the body? If the eye says to the ear, I have no need of you. That's in Corinthians. So we're saying, okay, I've got this task on me, but it, it is a participation in something. It's me, when I realize it, it's a participation with these other people that have been made elect. It's individual and it's group. But the work is for the individual. The body functions <coughs> sort of as a natural reaction to the individual's functioning. You choose to function and the body functions. We don't have to think about like a head-down situation that says the body must do this or this. And if you try to do that, you start getting one of those tyrannical churches. Churches that uh, 
where the, the, the pastor or the uh, leadership group tries to get you to a certain place and get you to do the same things and get you here, there, and in different groups. No. The state of the church should be the reflection of the state of the hearts of the people in it. You've got to have your mind renewed. These are individual tasks. You will be transformed or not. You will prove what is the will of God. You will judge yourself soberly and you will say, yes, this is what I am. But frankly, it's not going to be the same as me. Each of you are not going to be the same as each other. Even within a family, there will be different things that are the sacrifices of the saints. (coughs) But whatever the something is, it is something. And it will be done to the extent that Christ graces you. Listen to this. Having gifts, verse 6, that differ according to the grace given us. Let us use them. Having gifts that differ, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, he who teaches in his teaching, he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who contributes in liberality, he who gives aid with zeal, he who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. These are things that are distinctive between people. Have you ever met somebody that was like, just really a giver to the saints in terms of, of, of financially. Oh, it's like, wow, how come I'm not giving like that, all right? Or they are doing acts of mercy. They always show up with the casserole, you know? They always, they have a heart that just reacts that way to hurt in people's lives. It's not, you're not supposed to be looking at them to define what you're supposed to do, just like you don't look at the pastor to give you a list of things to do. Because Paul just said, we differ according to the grace given us. And we're supposed to find out what soberly, what the will of God is in our lives. What our spiritual worship is. Because what a magnificent circumstance. Come out the other end of this process. Everybody here, knowing what God has given them to do for the saints and is happy to do it, and happy to receive whatever is being done for them from others without any sense of guilt, because that's prophecies more important. It's according to the faith given you, according to the grace that has been poured out to you. Whatever you find in you, what God has provided for you, and this is after you stop thinking like the world, because you can imagine the different kind of gifts that if you think in a worldly fashion, either in terms of dominance and leadership or, or fame and celebrity. And I grew up with, with women singing um, and having all the wrong measurements of it. Or people in the you know, special music, and they became the prima donnas of the church. You know, they were the, these... Uh, it was their moment of glory. They couldn't sing in bars, for heaven's sake. They had to sing at church. Or they joined the choir. If they weren't a solo act, they would, they would they get FaceTime up there in the choir behind the pastor in the blue robe. And not everybody who sung in a choir was so 
selfishly motivated, but I knew a good number. We, we think in a world, we have to stop thinking like the world. We have to start thinking like a Christian. We're there to prove the task that is before us. And if you had gotten to that point, what a wonderful body of believers to be in. Because it would function as a membered body. Something with a, you know, what do they call it, opposable thumb? I mean, just think where we'd be without the opposable thumb. And one of you is that thumb. One of you is that ability for the body to do very basic tasks. Walking, talking. Find it and live it according to the measure of faith that you've been given. You have a choice. You don't have to do them all. This is nice. Somebody was joking with me earlier. I think it was Virginia. um, About... You only have to do the things you check off here in the book. I think the list is what... I hope she was joking. (laughs) Well, you notice I didn't put a check-off list for this list up here about prophecy and service and liberality and giving, exhortation, mercy. Because you're finding what you're doing there. He says members do not have the same function. Oh, you'll find some of your functions are similar to other people's, but you are finding the function that has been graced to you by God. And again, not in the same way that people who believe in reincarnation, because every scatterbrained young lady who believes in reincarnation in previous lives always seems to find out that she's Mary Queen of Scots or Cleopatra. And I wonder how so many people find out that they're Cleopatra. They always, they're always somebody neat. They're not some pimply-faced loser in some small town in you know, central Bulgaria being killed by Huns or something. They're always somebody interesting. So when you believe this about yourself and your task, remember one of the most natural worldly things is to feature yourself as kind of the star of this new play you're writing. All right? Sober judgment, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. Sober. Do you know some sober people? Ask them. Telling them beforehand that you will be quiet and not defend yourself. Telling them beforehand that that you won't get mad. Honest. And if they they do get mad, you'll you'll confess it as sin. You'll be sorry. You need somebody with sober judgment to go, you know, Evan, you really are fat. (laughs) Yes, those pants do make your rear end look big. Okay? No, you really are mean. You really are a jerk. You really are hard to get along with. You really are a little bit too sensitive, a little self-absorbed, depressed, whatever it is, you need to find out. Do you want to honor the elect status Jesus Christ gave you? Because it's a matter of honor. Or do you just want to sort of do that pinball thing of just sort of kind of be the Christian, kind of, and we won't look for things too hard. This body will not be featured well. This body will not live as members could make it. But in verse 9, he gets to some things that are not options. That's why they have checkboxes. The checkboxes are not in the original text. 
They were added by PageMaker 6.5. Uh, for your convenience, I would recommend you use Pencil. <laughs> it is erasable. Um, should your wife get a glance at that and go, what? what are you claiming? Because the check mark says, you're doing it. Okay? Now, I'm not asking you to check it off now. Feel free in the privacy of your own home. In anguish and tears, go through the list. Let love be genuine. These are not things that, well, you know, I'm just not one of those people you know, as a Christian who's been given love. No, you don't get to get, it's not that part of the list, okay? That's for prophecy and works of service and works of mercy. Okay, those things, I don't have to run around. It's the a lifeboat issue. I don't have to run around doing mercy to all the things that need or could use mercy. It's not the task of the Christian, but it's always the task that their love be genuine. You say, um, okay, one last evasion. Can, uh, can we claim that this is a little vague? Well, yes, we can. We can. This whole list, you could say, well, you know, boy, you could do a whole sermon on each one of those, couldn't you, Pastor? Couldn't we just wait for each one of those to be sermoned out? No, you can't. Because really the task that is on you right now is whether or not you are going to honor your elect status in Christ with some research time. You know the kind of person that writes a paper just by, they're not plagiarizing, but they're just rewriting some other paper they had already written, so it's really theirs. Or not really giving it the time, right? They don't care about the topic. They don't want to really know. Do you really want to know what letting love be genuine deals with? Because you know how to be fake, right? You can probably come up with all sorts of ways to be fake. Let me give you a list of fake things. How to be fake about your love. This comes from you proving what is the will of God. Because the person that now thinks like a Christian... They've renewed their mind. They've been transformed by it. They're proving what is the will of God. When St. Paul says, let love be genuine, they don't go, well, that's a little vague. Where's the list of things I do to do that? No, it's letting love be genuine. Because genuine love isn't an artificial application. The hug, hug, kiss, kiss. It's how you feel. It's not reactive to the way people are. Because love is not waiting for the way people are. It's the way you are. So you're letting what is inside you come out. You say, well, I do that, Pastor. I'm, I'm going to be cursing. Well, okay, then we go deal with things. Because when you find that you're not doing one of these things, what do you do? You confess it. You try, once confessed, you're in the light. Now you can possibly think clearly. You could say, what, in what way was I thinking in a worldly fashion? Was I conformed to this present world? Uh, J.B. Phillips says, uh, don't let the world press you into its mold for that passage. Lattimore says, patterned after this world. Like women cutting out patterns for a dress, and they share the pattern because they want the exact same look. 
as on the picture, on the package. So they cut out according to the pattern. You've got to sometimes say, if I'm not doing one of these, what am I doing? What am I thinking that is so worldly? And how can I think like a Christian, replace this worldly thought with Christian wisdom? Because you have a task to demonstrate that what you believe is real. You have a task laid on you earlier in this book that says, you must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God. Now we're talking actual sins, actual righteousness. But I don't want you to treat this as a... This is the checking off is not to um, get you to go out and do it. The, the checking off is for you to have a reminder to go back to your self-examination. To confess that which you should confess. To restructure your thinking. To labor at it. You ever been gotten real curious about something biblically? Real curious about something spiritually? Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. It doesn't tell you how to hate, what's evil. What do we mean by hatred? What do I mean to hold fast to what is good? Stick to it. And I kind of don't want to explain too much or, or, or talk about these things too much because I want your transformed thought to just nod when St. Paul says, hold fast to what is good. You go, amen, brother. I know exactly, I feel exactly what that means. Because you've been transformed, you're thinking like St. Paul. You're thinking according to the grace given to you. Love one another with brotherly affection. Well, pastor, what's, uh, I mean, I, I, uh, I have a brother. I don't like him much. Well, and then somebody goes off into, you know, like C.S. Lewis, you know, philia, brotherly affection, philia, um, uh, a, a fondness, a friendship. Uh, and so you go out there laboring. No, we need to be, again, automatic. This is a description of the Christian life. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do you spend your time honoring people to the point where you're competing? You know, honor is what you do for someone else. Showing honor. So when someone has a dignity, someone has a benefit, outdo one another in showing honor. This is a tough thing in families. Tough thing in families. Showing honor. Where where are you... uh, it says, honor the woman as the weaker vessel. Bestowing honor on the woman. Know what she is? She is this in your life? Bestowing honor. Well, and what's the other one about wives and their husbands? Uh, and Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children if you do likewise, and let nothing terrify you. There's a nice situation that many of us married people are in where we could be competing with showing honor the other person who can outdo honor honoring your wife honoring your husband feel free with the check mark right there never flag in zeal I'm not an athlete never really was an athlete and when they made me run around in a circle on a track I I would end up I think the word is flagging 
at the end. Not like the flagging of zigging by the guy with the flag, but tapering off, staggering to a halt, gasping, coughing up my lung under the outside of my chest. I got tired. Never flagging in zeal. In other words, the things that call us to this wonderful thing in Christ, do you know how wonderful it is? And it's not going to be the worship team up here, frankly, that's going to get you motivated. Because we're not going to have one, ever. Okay? Ain't going to happen. Your zeal is not going to be Sunday, then to Wednesday. Get jazzed up again about Jesus, and then jazzed up again on Sunday, and then jazzed up... Because this is you individually knowing what a Christian is. Be a glow with the Spirit. Boy, that's a vague one, isn't it? A glow with the Spirit. You ever run into somebody and you just say, you know, I think they're a Christian. Did it ever cross your mind that they have the same thought? I think he's a Christian. She's a Christian. Well, I'm not going to make up things to put here and say this is what it means there's a level of radiance and kind of translucence to the skin that spirit-filled people always have kind of little you know glint when your light reflects off your bifocals it's it's that or it's that satan eyes that you get in the camera serve the lord rejoice in your hope we have a hope. I don't care what your opinion is about how it's going to happen, but you have a hope. And rejoicing in it that we're going to be in glory. That death to us is without sting. Be patient in tribulation. Most young American Christians I have met and talked about what would happen if things got bad for Christians? I generally get a nice feisty attitude out of them. I don't get patience. Because they're thinking like the world. They're conformed to the image of a brave heart. He was no saint. Now, I'm a Scotsman. I'm supposed to reverence the name of Wallace. But he was not a saint. Because a Christian lives under the tribulation and is patient. Be constant in prayer. Oh, here's one. I could hear the the, the pencil mark scratching that one off with conviction. Yep, I've been constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Practice hospitality. I'm pretty pleased with you as a bunch in terms of the hospitality. Boy, it's it's pretty good in this church, so... Everybody with a certain level of contentment can go, ah, yeah, I got one right. <laughs> Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Ooh, that goes back to the patient and tribulation thing. But they hit me in the nose. Bless and do not curse them. But you don't understand, it was my nose. <laughs> Bless them. Christ is our example. You're not trying to live up to the standard of some American revolutionary. You're not trying to live up to the standard of being some sort of, you know, Wesley Snipes. You can be 
bed of the bone, or you can be Jesus Christ. Now, we somehow feel if we can only be you know, able to exact vengeance, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, be in touch with each other, because your members want one another. When one body, the parts of the body hurts, the whole body hurts. If you're not hurting, your body's in bad shape. That's what people who do not have a pain response, or if they're paralyzed or something, and they can't feel something, <coughs> they could incur an injury and not know it, or know how bad it is. That's what pain tells you. <coughs> we need to have that kind of connection. Live in harmony with one another. That means get along. Get along. I like the word harmony. I don't know if it's in the Greek. I like it because it suggests that, remember, we do not do the same things in this body. We have chosen different things to do according to the measure of grace given us. And sometimes people can think that someone who's not into mercy is not a good Christian. But maybe they're doing the prophecy. Maybe they're giving liberally. We're living in harmony with each other. We know that we're bringing different things. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be conceited. Because what happens when you are, you say you go home with this list or this instruction, of first I've got to know what I'm doing for the, for the sacrifice, what am I living for the church, and two, whether I'm living like a Christian ought to live. And you know, frankly, I'm all checked off. And I know what I'm doing. And what I'm doing is darned important. Okay, now watch this, because when you are given position, because some of you have gifts that are beneficial in a broad way that everybody will be you know, favored by, you now have the obligation to associate with the lowly. You're not, just like we live in harmony with each other side to side from the difference to the difference, we're supposed to live in harmony with each other top to bottom. And not to divide the church, it says in James, don't show those kind of partialities. Because there are people that are low. Some parts of the body are to be treated with greater modesty. People that aren't as gifted. We're to associate with them. Don't cut them off from the body. They're necessary. Don't be conceited. Repay no one evil for evil. Take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends upon you, live peaceably with all. Remember, so much of this is just you doing the right thing. This is a general description. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. No, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals upon his head. It's out of Proverbs. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is a general description. Does the general description match the general persuasion of your mindset? Because the general persuasion of your mindset is either worldly or Christian. This is a general description of Christianity. If you find yourself going, well, I don't... Well, I, if I redefine these words, yeah. If, if 
not avenging means I could still hit them as long as they don't feel vengeance. And if you start doing like working with that, you're supposed to be able to live a life that is at peace and impatient with the ungodly, gets to take abuse, give good, and win that way because you are overcoming in the end. If you don't because you figure, I'm going to take vengeance, you lost. You were overcome by evil. Yeah, but I decked him. You were overcome by evil. Do not over, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We have a lot in front of us as Christians, and we want to labor to understand it. Because we have a master to please, we need to find it, we need to do it, and we need to value, just ask yourself, how much is goodness worth to me? How much is Christ worth to me? Is it your hobby, Christianity? You know, like one you're really devoted to, really interested in? Or is it just this morning? Just Sunday? Let's thank God. Dear Lord God, we're grateful for the measures of grace and faith that are in our lives. We're grateful for the kind of minds we can have in your Son that we can understand what we could give to each other. That we can also come to understand all these statements of this good that is available in your Son that we could just say amen to and live. That we could be naturally patient, naturally blessing, naturally kind. Let our love be genuine, Lord. In your Son's name, amen.